one today. I want to introduce a brand new guest on the show, Mike Lloyd. Mike, thank you so much for making time to do this. I already told you I was excited, but I'm, I'm super stoked about this. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm stoked to be here. Well, and we're going to get into a topic just to kind of break the fourth wall here today. For anybody who is live streaming, we're going to be talking about AI and its role in marketing, building our businesses. We'll do that in just a second. But Mike, if you don't mind just briefly introducing yourself and your brand for our listeners, that'd be awesome. My name is Mike Lloyd. I'm a photographer out of Silicon Valley, California, and I'm a therapist with a camera. I specialize in fashion-inspired boudoir as a form of therapy for my clients. So we help them with the visualization of who they want to see when they look in the mirror. And then we put together this, this glamorous photo shoot to help them connect with and see that person. So... I, I don't think I've ever heard a photographer introduce themselves that way. That's really, really cool. Um, shine Thank a little you. bit of light on that. I, I understand the concept personally, but I'd love for you to just expand on it just, just for a second. Yeah, I had no idea what I was getting myself into when I got into boudoir back in 2015. And I did not want to shoot boudoir at all because I didn't want to be like the dude with a camera who took pictures of girls in their underwear. Uh, so I shot a bunch of other stuff instead, families, teens, a lot of commercial work like Cirque du Soleil performers, cabaret, dance shows. I would do the billboards, the movie posters, the album covers to sell uh, performance art. And so I got contacted by someone and asked if I would do a boudoir session. Like, I've never done it, but I'll give it a go if you're willing to give me a shot, I guess. And we did, and it totally worked out. And then a couple of her friends booked me, and then some of their friends booked me, and it just... I ended up rebranding my, my business about six months later, dove all in on that. Wow. And as I learned my client stories as to why they did the photo shoot and what they got out of it, it was never about the photos. It was never about having sexy photos or being sexy. It was about, you know, feeling pretty for the first time after a 10 year abusive marriage when they've been put down mm. and, and verbally abused or mm -hmm. someone who's has body dysmorphia, maybe had bypass surgery, lost 200 pounds and doesn't recognize themselves in the mirror. And once I found out what we were really doing here in the studio, I just shifted all of my, my messaging, everything over to that. And that's, that's the clientele that I attract now. And it's, it's pretty darn rewarding. Well, I, I love, I love having a mission behind a brand. Um, and I've actually been talking about this and thinking about this more this week as well, but there's something about, I mean, it's, it's one thing to create a, a brand, a business that ultimately makes, helps us make a living. And that's awesome. And obviously part of the intent, but at the end of the day, at least for me anyway, that just seeing some numbers on paper just doesn't mean a ton to actually know that I'm create, I've created something that's making an impact in somebody's life is so fulfilling, so rewarding. And I'm sure you feel similar with the intention that you just described. Yeah. And it, you did an episode recently with um, Epitome Photography, and you were talking about yeah. the balance of feeling and numbers. You absolutely need both because mm -hmm. if you wake up every day feeling like you're just going to work, you might as well get a desk job and save yourself the hassle of entrepreneurship. Uh, yeah, you, you got to be into what you're doing and motivated to keep plowing when you have the slow weeks, slow months, seasons. Um, but also you got to run a business and track the numbers. So. It's a balance of both for sure. And, and I, it's very tempting to park on that topic because it's it's something, and, and honestly, selfishly, kind of as a reminder for myself, an ongoing reminder for myself, which is exactly what you said, that balance between 
kind of what some photographers might label the nerdy side of, of business, paying attention to the numbers, not just financially, but also the data for the sake of building mm -hmm. a healthy business, but then also the emotion. I'm a super emotional guy. I've said it probably multiple times now on the podcast. I'll cry at podcasts and music and watching shows. My daughter and I have been going through a series of rom-coms um, in the last year or so, actually. Uh, yeah. I, I get into all that stuff, so I, I get the feels. And it's not, we're not talking about getting rid of that. They're not mutually exclusive. You can have both and, and I think it's a really great reminder for, for all photography business owners. I'll leave that alone for right now. This, this podcast is ultimately about helping photographers build sustainable businesses. And yeah. of course, one of the things that enables that is efficient workflow. I'm wondering if you might share a tip or a trick that has helped you function a little bit more efficiently in day-to-day -day business. Yeah, I had a really bad burnout in 2021, like where I had to cancel all my appointments for a week. I took myself to the hospital. My my makeup artist during one of our morning sessions was like, you're not okay. You need to mm -hmm. cancel this afternoon's shoot and like mm -hmm. go get help right now. And I had no idea what was going on. Um, and like just taking an inventory, you know, of, of my schedule when the doctor's like, how many days off do you get a week? And I'm like... Per, per week and I thought like my last day off was like a year and a half ago which <laughs> yeah I'm like literally counting the months back and she's mm -hmm. like you need to not do that ever again mm -hmm. so I started outsourcing everything that I possibly could in the company like my social media management I hired an editor um, I mean everything that I could unload that wasn't me being present, uh, either sales or shooting, I, I try to hire out and that I wish I would have done eight years ago, just as quickly as you can get revenue in the business, mm -hmm. hire someone to take over all of the little admin stuff, get a VA, get someone to help respond to inquiries, uh, hire an editor or find an editing agency. If you know anybody, shout out and <laughs> yep, because Everything costs us one of two resources, time or money. And money is infinitely scalable. We can always make more of that back. We can never get time back. And the sooner you can start using that money to buy back your time, the sooner you can realize the freedom that we all wanted when we created a business. I love that. And, and of course, there's a, a wonderful, it, this is not a conversation about not working or not working hard or hustling and, you know, all the phrases, but what it is, is actually working intelligently and intentionally, mm -hmm. right? We, we know what will make the biggest difference for the sake of growing our business. We focus on those things and we ask for help and ideally have the, the funding to be able to pay somebody to come alongside and help us manage all that it is that we have to do. Even in the last week or so, I, I've been in a pretty uh, overwhelmed state. We've got multiple brands. We're getting ready to launch a new company. And uh, I was reminded of the significance of not trying to do it all on my own. And I, fortunately, I'm lucky to have a really wonderful team around me that, that helps me manage so many different moving pieces to the business. I just couldn't do it without without them. Uh, I, yeah. But I think it's really important for even sole proprietors to keep this in mind. It's not about the size of the business. It's the intention behind mm -hmm. what it is that we're trying to create for ourselves, not just for our business, but for our personal lives as well, and certainly for our mental health. So uh, I'm glad that you highlight that. And the other thing, too, that, that I'd really like to well, I continue to maintain, I guess, as a theme here on the podcast is the importance of kind of baseline principles. We can talk about quick tips and tricks all day long, but if we're not focused on implementing at a very base level the significant principles that drive a healthy and success successful business, uh, I think we're missing out in the, in the long run. What's a big idea or principle that's helped drive your business over the years? Listening to my audience. 
But that's that's how I got my whole brand message now. I mean, I never wanted to take sexy photos in the first place, which is why I didn't, again, want to get an, into boudoir photography. And when someone asked if I would do it without necessarily, do, you know, having that approach, it was like, cool. But then I'm like, I don't know why else somebody would do a boudoir session if they don't want sexy photos. And I started reading Yelp reviews from boudoir studios all over the country to find out what people had to say and things that they liked, things they didn't like to know that, you know, I need to have this in my business or make sure I don't have this in my business. But also, why are people doing it? Uh, I did a lot of research and that's one of the staple blog posts on my website is 13 reasons why you should do a boudoir shoot and none of them are about being sexy. Um, but yeah, just listening to my audience because if I would have continued to push that or be a model for a day or any of the other cliches I feel we hear in our industry, you're, you're just not going to build a scalable business if you're offering things that your audience doesn't want. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the thing about principles, baseline principles, is that a, a lot of people would hear that idea, listen to your clients, in passing, they'd be like, oh yeah, I've heard that before, and then they move on. But the question, of course, is are we actually implementing that principle consistently in our business? Because it's mm -hmm. easy to say, oh, I've heard that or I've read that before. It's another thing to actually do the thing. And yeah. so I, I love that you're highlighting the significance of this. And, and of course, in order to build a business, a, a lot of times photographers, I've, I've seen and heard this over the years, I've probably been guilty of it at some point as well. We kind of get fixated on what it is that we want in business versus what the client, who by the way, is the one that's gonna pay us and enable us to make a living, what they actually are looking for. And it's important that we maintain a certain level of awareness and sensitivity to that. Mm -hmm. And asking feedback all the time. I do a super quick cell phone video at the end of all of my photo shoots, provided they say yes and sign the release. And I just ask them like, how are you feeling when you walked in versus how are you feeling now? And I, or any series of questions that I have prepared, and just get people's raw feedback when they don't have a scripted answer, when they're not sitting down to write a review for me. And, you know, it's like I get invited to my clients' kids' birthday parties and they send me holiday cards every season. And, and it's so much more than the photo shoot because we've made that human connection and they feel seen when they walk out of here. And as soon as things aren't clicking, I know that something is different and it needs to be addressed. And then I can take an inventory from there. I love that. And, and that's a reflection of your character because there's intention to not just simply create a transaction or a transactional mm -hmm. relationship, but that you're actually making an effort that you actually give a damn, like you're actually paying attention, you're curious, and they feel that and respond accordingly. And so again, another really mm -hmm. great reminder. I appreciate you sharing that. I want to transition now into kind of our primary topic for today, which has to do with utilizing AI for marketing. And maybe just to kind of set the stage, I mean, I, I know that the AI has just been exploding, especially even in the last two or three months. Uh, we're yeah. hearing a lot about it and, and various elements of culture and, and the news. What was your first kind of major interaction with the concept of AI, say, in the last year or two? Well, we've all been using AI because uh, artificial intelligence is, you know, machine learning. So when you go into Google, and type in a couple of words and it autofills the rest of your search, that's AI. Yeah. Predictive text on your phone is AI. Content aware fill in Photoshop is AI. We're, we've been using this for a while. It's just we haven't labeled it as that. Uh, and now we're using it 
more deliberately as a consumer uh, in a way that we have more control over, which is why I think this is brand new. Like with Midjourney or the other ones that are creating all these incredible illustrations um, based on the inputs that we give it. Uh, I mean, there's there's a ton of stuff that we can do with that. You know, I, I have a custom photo background in my my studio here that I made using Midjourney and had Intuition print up for me, um, which was a pretty cool thing to, to play around with. So there's there's a ton of stuff that we can do with it. Um, but with like the new chatbots that are coming out, that is, that world is mind blowing. Yeah. And I know we've got more guided direction to take this, so I'm not just going to ramble for the next 40 minutes. <laughs> well, no, no, but you actually set the, the tone for the conversation really well, because it is easy to forget that, yeah, this is what we're seeing right now is just the kind of a further advancement of the technology that mm-hmm. we have been using for a number of years. The notion of automation driven by digital technology is by no means anything new. We're just seeing it further advance. And, and I actually like the way that you framed it further. Um, I guess it's becoming more mainstream, uh, especially to the consumer culture. And, yeah. it, you know, it's there is a tendency toward fear, kind of an overreaction. I'm sure a lot of that's driven by the media and the way that the media frames it. But why do you think at, at the root level, people are so afraid of the notion of AI? You know, AI is going to take over. I'm going to lose my job, this kind of thing. What, what, what does that come from? Yeah, uh, I think two things. One, like you mentioned, news media. And I mean, every time a self-driving car hits a tree, we see scenes from the Terminator playing on the news. And it's like machines are going to start killing everybody now that one Tesla crashed. Yeah, but what about the 10,000 of them that didn't today? You know? Uh, Also, yes, it will replace certain functions. But... I think that's a great invitation for us to take a different look at what it is that we do and ask, is what I'm providing something that is easily replicable by a machine? And if it is, how do I future-proof what it is that I'm doing so that that isn't the case? Um, Or potentially even just leverage the technology as a supplement to what we're doing, right? Correct. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, again, that, I think I think part of what the media does is this, well, very obviously, I'm, I'm stating the obvious here, but is the focus on the extreme, right? It's this all or nothing proposition rather than considering the both and, oh, maybe we can have AI and I can still have a job. And actually, I could potentially do my job even more effectively utilizing AI or we could just call it digital technology, um, these sure. tools that enable me to work more efficiently or more intelligently um, with the help of these tools, I, I think that's, an, a, a, again, perspective is every, everything. Uh, if we could talk endlessly about all the millions of examples of, of how technology over the last hundred years in particular has literally changed our culture on an ongoing basis. Leveraging right. this technology, has, it certainly has created a certain amount of automation that has negated certain jobs, but then it's created more efficiency and enabled us ultimately to do things um, more effectively, certainly to give opportunities for individuals like yourself and myself to be able to go create new businesses more efficiently and be able to, to mm-hmm. function in that way. So yeah, it's perspective in the end. And and I know it's kind of an obvious question, a leading question almost to ask something like that, but I love the, the way that you're setting this conversation up. Little side note here. Um, I know that we have some that are live streaming with us. Sue is actually chiming in from Sun Valley. Hey Sue, thanks for chiming in and saying hello. And uh, on YouTube as well, Sonia said hello from the frozen plains of Northwestern Indiana. 
Yeah, I, I saw I've got some friends up in Indiana. I know you guys got nailed with some snow this week. It's mm -hmm. here in Chattanooga. I think it's around 35 or so today. That's super cold for us down here. We actually have some sun. What's it been like where you're at? Uh, well, I mean, everything's been flooding here. We've had, I think, 300 percent normal rainfall in the first two weeks of the year, like for the wow. whole season. So everything's been underwater. Um, but now it, we're supposed to hit in the 70s in the next week. Oh, I'm super jealous. <laughs> and you're based in what area of California? Uh, Bay Area, Silicon Valley. OK, very cool. Yeah, yeah. And I've, I've seen some of the some of the headlines and the pictures from the news. And it's it's I know it's so unusual for California to get hit with any kind of rain. Certainly the amount of rain that you have lately. Yeah. Yeah. I keep a rain gauge in my backyard just for funsies. OK. And shoot, what did I dump out from the first of the year until the 21st, so three weeks, it, it was about 24 inches. Whoa. Which is probably normally like, what, two years worth or something like that? <laughs> We've been in a drought for 36 years or something like that. So, yeah. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. Okay, well, I, I appreciate those of you that are live streaming. And again, don't be shy. Comment, ask questions as we get into this conversation a little bit further. Let's get back, though, to AI and how that might relate to marketing efforts. What was it? Mm -hmm. Was there some kind of a turning point for you where you're like, hey, I see these tools. They're becoming more readily available. The technology is developing, becoming more powerful. Maybe I should be leveraging some of this for the sake of marketing. Yeah. Uh, a buddy of mine actually out in, in Tennessee, he reached out. He's like, hey, man, have you seen this new this new thing? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And he showed me a couple examples of what he had done with it. I thought, okay, this is certainly worth looking into. So I just did some, you know, Google and YouTube searches to find out what people are actually doing with this technology. And it seemed like every YouTube video was the same, you know, five unique ways to do the thing with this program. And they were all right. exactly the same. Yeah. Uh, they just like swapped the logo off the video. Mm -hmm. uh, so that was anyway. Uh, but it, it, again, I go into these things with the mindset of opportunity, like how, how do I leverage this the best that I can and, and be creative with it and not maybe use it for such a, a linear purpose. And, yeah. and then I saw another buddy of mine post about it on Facebook. And so I got the three of us into a group chat and it's like, cool, this is our new AI mastermind. We're doing this. Let's figure out how the heck to use this to grow our businesses because we're all photographers. So uh, just swapping ideas and playing around with things and use cases. And then, you know, like I'll test a thing. You test the same. You test the same. Are we all getting the same results? Are they all different? Because um, we're going we're gonna to unpack what significance that has here shortly. Uh, but it was really just these two guys asking if I'd heard of the thing and three of us getting together, like, let's figure this out. But again, I want to highlight here the mindset, the significance of the mindset. We talked about perspective earlier, certainly the perspective of, oh, I, rather than looking at the something as, as um, a source of fear and apprehension and this thing that might take my job or change my job significantly, I look looking mm -hmm. at it as an opportunity. I love the way that you frame that. It's amazing how that really can create a sense of relief and then ultimately empowerment in the sense that we're like, okay, instead of looking at this thing as a, as a problem, I look at this as a tool that I can further or that I can leverage to further build my business. Uh, at even just in the last week or so, I've been thinking about it more that way. And as we're getting ready to launch a new company here shortly, leveraging these tools that, that enable us to work more efficiently 
and, mm -hmm. and certainly even more creatively. It's, it's incredible when you just shift the mindset a little bit and, and look at these as opportunities. So I love that you set the stage that way. I know we're going to talk about how you've actually applied this to your business, but are there tools, certain AI tools that you would recommend, one or two tools in particular that you would suggest our listeners take a look at? Yeah, the one I've been playing the most with is called ChatGPT. I don't know what that stands for. I don't think it matters. Uh, but if you just Google ChatGPT, it's it's almost like a Google search. You create a, a user, a login to get on the website, and then you just ask it a question, like ask Jeeves, if anyone remembers that. And <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> That's funny. What up, 1994? Yeah. <laughs> and... It gives you an answer. That's mm -hmm. the fundamentals of this thing. Mm -hmm. I have not used other ones outside of, you know, maybe mid journey for creating uh, illustrations and graphic arts. Uh, I know there's a handful of other ones out there that people are using. I just, I haven't used them. So I don't want to speak about them. Well, but again, this is a great example of what we were just talking about, the progress of technology. It really is, ChatGPT really is like a more conversational version of just doing a Google search. The mm -hmm. way that it presents that information, what makes it particularly interesting, at least from my perspective, the, the bit that I've used it is the ability not just to ask it a question and get some information, but then to very conversationally ask more questions about the, the information it just shared, or even say, hey, can you sum up the you know thousand word article that you just wrote for me into some bullet points and make it just 200 words? Yeah. These are the kinds of interactions that you can have with it that are super powerful. Um, mm -hmm. This isn't some robot that's trying to take over the world. This is a tool that we can actually use really, really effectively. It's, it's yeah. quite powerful. But let's actually talk about practical application then. Um, when, when you're considering how to use it for the sake of your business, what are kind of the big idea or big ways that you've been able to implement it for the sake of marketing and building your company? Yeah, the biggest one for me is for my content strategy. Uh, I, every photographer out there knows we need to blog. And we maybe don't know what that means or how to actually do it strategically because just posting photos from a shoot and saying how much fun you had isn't going to book you shoots, but like, okay, what else do we do? And the best way that I found to blog is to create content that people are actually searching for on Google. So I went on to Google and just typed in boudoir and let it autofill what people in my area are searching for. And you can do this in incognito mode if you want to get mm -hmm. even better results. And as you start to scroll down, it'll have you know, maybe the top three boudoir studios, but then it has a list of questions that people are asking. What do you wear to a boudoir shoot? What does it cost to do a boudoir shoot? Whatever the thing may be. And you just keep scrolling. It gives you more and more of these questions. Or people also search for these exact phrases based on the thing that you just typed in. Google tells you exactly what people are searching for. So that becomes the title of each of my blog posts. And, and in the exact words that someone says, not just, you know, fashion inspired tips for boudoir photography, because no one is searching for that. But what do I wear for boudoir photos? I would never say that because it doesn't sound professional, but that's what my audience is looking for. So that's the title of my blog post. And then I use chat GPT. I literally just copy that as my question into this AI technology and it gives me the answer. It'll basically write out your blog post for you. 
Well, and, and just I know this isn't the point of the conversation, but I love that you highlighted the significance of, uh, I guess, a conversational style of copy, because you're absolutely yeah. right. A lot of the copy that photographers are putting on their website has really little to nothing to do with the way that clients actually think and communicate. They're, mm -hmm. they're trying to be creative and cute and witty and all this stuff. And, and you're like, no, this is not going to help you get found because people aren't thinking that way. And as a result, they're not searching that way. We have to actually consider how they're thinking, communicating and ultimately searching. And so that's really important when you, so when you copy that text over the, the text that you're copying over is what, from one of the results that you get when you do the search, is that right? Basically. So if I type in, you know, boudoir photo shoot, and it'll give me a list of, they're, they're called snippets in Google. You know, it's what do you wear for a boudoir photo shoot? How much does it cost? Uh, do you wear shoes to a boudoir photo shoot? Things like that. And I'll take that exact question because those are questions that people are actually asking Google word for word. And that is the topic of the blog post and the thing that I ask the chat bot. And rather than just give you, you know, an instruction manual style list of something, it can give you lists if you ask it to, but it actually it sounds really conversational like a human wrote it. And you can say, uh, write it in the form of a haiku or write it as if Snoop Dogg was saying it. I mean, you can get really creative yep. with this thing. Probably not the most effective for connecting with your clients, but you can have some fun with it. I, I was watching a piece of content the other day and one of the things that they said as it relates to AI and utilizing these AI tools um, for mm -hmm. the sake of our businesses is that it's most effective when you actually understand the topic at hand because you're not always going to get perfect generation grammatically or otherwise of information. And so you, you're going to have to go back, just scan through and potentially tweak, adjust, edit, refine the content that Jet, Jet GPT generates. And naturally as, as, professionals, those who have experience in this particular craft, we can do that more effectively um, mm -hmm. as a result. So we can't necessarily expect it to generate perfect results every single time. It is actually quite impressive. I mean, and again, the specificity and then the kind of conversational interaction that you can get, you can engage in with the tool is, is really impressive. But yeah. have you found that you have to tweak and adjust a little bit once you actually get that text generated, the copy generated? I'd say most of the time you could publish as is. But uh, as you said, it's not always going to be correct information. It's not always going to align with your brand. There's going to be things that it doesn't know that you need to include. Or, you know, it might also give you ideas. And I'll give you an example of that in a second of things you wouldn't have thought of, but are actually pretty brilliant. I look at it more as a rough draft generator. That is how I approach this technology. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those reasons that the three of us had tested asking the same question because Google punishes you for having duplicate content on your website. So if 10,000 photographers go on and ask, what do you wear for a boudoir photo shoot? And yeah. we all have the exact same blog post. Mm -hmm. That's going to punish all of us. Google is already trying to figure out how to uh, basically knock people's websites who are using AI to generate all of the content. So it is absolutely in your best interest to go in and tweak the content to make sure it is 100% unique. Um, you just don't want to risk having your site be, you know, taken away from search because of that. Uh, and also, again, you can add your own, your own touches to it. You should anyway. 
And I'll, I'll go ahead and just throw this out here because actually in that same piece of content, I wish I had it, I could link to it or reference it specifically, but they were actually referencing exactly what you were just saying. And there's a, a one of the other AI tools called Quillbot that you can take and, and copy, basically copy paste the text from ChatGPT into Quillbot, pick the tone of voice that you want used, um, and then have it regenerate the same content, kind of reworded, rephrased. So ultimately, we're not using the exact same text that everybody else is copy pasting to their site. Mm -hmm. There's another really great tool called copy.ai that's extremely powerful as well that I'd recommend for our listeners. Of course, we'll link to all of these in the show notes at bocapodcast.com for those of you listening in. But uh, I just wanted to throw that, that suggestion out there. So I'm, I'm taking notes, old school Mike here, um, that <laughs> kind of the, one of the first ways that you've implemented it with, with uh, your businesses and content strategy and more specifically yeah. content for blogs. You actually sent me a number of points ahead of time. So I'm kind of leading you here with this question. But with one of the other ways that you've talked about using this is for the sake of generating emails. Um, mm -hmm. for those, those emails that you're going to be sending out to your clients. Can you explain a little bit about how you use it that way? Yeah. Uh, and this was another one that my buddy showed me an example of originally that got me to dive into it. He had somebody reach out with, it wasn't an odd request, but it was obviously somebody that wasn't his ideal client. And he was trying to figure out how to respond. And he just asked the chat bot, you know, write me an email, uh, basically declining that this person is a good fit for me. <laughs> okay. And the thing came back and it was brilliant. It wasn't <laughs> sterile, like corporate, you know, email, like it is a pleasure for us to serve you today. Right. However, I feel that like, no, it sounded like a human wrote it and it was, I would have happily used that in my own business. It was great. Uh, so you could do welcome emails, you know, where you could write email sequences with it. Um, and just like we're doing blog posts, and these are pretty short form, they're one to three paragraphs, you could easily use that as an email as well. So, you know, uh, you could ask it, write an email reminding someone of their appointment for a photo shoot, and hmm. it will give you that copy. It will, you know, remind someone they need to sign their contract. It will give them that copy. Now, given most CRMs already have this functionality built in there, I think this is a great way to just up that copy a little yeah. bit and yeah. make it sound less like it was the canned version that came with the CRM. That's a great way to put it because you're right. A lot of that stuff, those templates probably sound super corporate. <laughs> That's the last thing that mm -hmm. we want to do. And actually going back to the point you made earlier, the, the ability to be able to generate the amount of content that we can with ChatGPT is particularly helpful, whether it's writing blog content or email content. Mm -hmm. I, I know there, there are times when I, I'm not a terrible writer, but I'm not a great writer either. And if, if I'm faced with needing to write 500 word or 1000 word or 1500 word uh, content for a blog post or otherwise, it's there are some days where I'm going to be so tired. I'm like, I don't even know where to start. And right. so having even a starting place from these tools is really, really great. And yeah, the voice that, that they actually write with is, is quite natural. It's, it's really impressive. So yeah. I, I think this is great recommendation. So starting one with, with content strategy, more, more specifically con generating content for blogs, and then two, email generation. One of the other ways that you said that you're using this is to create client profiles and ad copy. Can you give some context to that? Totally. Uh, one thing that I want to add as far as all this content creation goes, yeah. I have already scheduled out my entire 2023 blog content. So I have one post every three weeks. It went from mid-December until January of next year. This is We're in January 2023 right now. 
So 12 and a half months of content. I got everything keyword researched, written, scheduled with images in my blog in like three hours. That's, that is so crazy <laughs> to think about. Like on, on average, right? how long would you say each of those blog posts are? I mean, to sit there and brainstorm with a list of the content that I want to go into there and then write the thing, rewrite the thing. I don't know, at least a half an hour per blog post mm -hmm. between the keyword research and writing the content and editing. I'd, I'd say 30, 40 minutes. And so. that's, that's per. So then how many pieces did you say that you're actually generating for the year? Uh, Just roughly? As uh, one every three weeks. So 30 five, 36. Wow. So that would have been 18 hours of content right there. And I got it done in three. That is so incredible. <laughs> wow. Okay. It, so well, that's the value of this. It's not just that it gives you the content, but it's like instantaneous efficiency. And, that is and as you right. said, it's coming up with a starting place, you know, the blinking cursor of death, looking at the blank screen of like, <laughs> how do I even start this blog post? What's the first sentence? It handles that. And it's Sonia from YouTube. She says, OMG, that's amazing. That's my downfall, time management. And yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And honestly, this is within our team as well, how we're beginning to use these tools is for the sake of just working more efficiently, more, more quickly, especially when yeah. you have a, a startup or, or certainly being a sole proprietor and you've got limited resources, you can't hire a team. This can become at least the beginnings of your team in, in essence, right? You're, you're almost delegating yep. this work to this tool and it's helping you get this work done way more efficiently, which is, and by the way, it's free, which is kind of mind blowing in and of itself. It's free now. <laughs> Fair, yeah. <laughs> so get okay. on it while you can. Okay, so uh, ad copy and pro profiles, right? Yeah, let's talk about that. So you can ask ChatGPT to give you, I mean, ad, just you ask it, like, write me an ad for a boudoir photography sale for Valentine's Day for single people. And it will give you ad copy for that. And you could say, give me 10 different versions. And it will give you 10 different versions of that ad copy. Uh, one of them is bound to be something that sounds really, really good. They're all going to sound pretty great already. And then you can kind of pick and choose different elements from each of those. And then you can ask it to redo it again. And you'll essentially end up with 20 different versions of this ad copy to decide if that's something you want to use. Now, if anyone's ever marketed anything, you know that you can't just look at something and go, yep, that's going to convert right there. We have to test everything. But this gives you a really, really good starting point to start testing these messages. And it's that simple. Just ask it to write the ad for who and why. Well, and then it's generating, like you said, multiple versions. So you could relatively easily A-B test the, the different mm -hmm. versions of that particular ad copy. That's really, really cool. Absolutely. And you can ask it for headlines also. And it will, you know, give me 10 headlines for a Valentine's Day boudoir sale for single people. And it will give you headlines. A lot of them are pretty, I don't want to say generic sounding, uh, but that kind of language is going to be very familiar to your audience. So you may not get points for being the most crafty uh, and creative, but that's not usually what converts people. So uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it to win any literacy awards, but that's not why we're here. 
No, and, and I'm glad that you highlight that. Good ads really, they're not usually about writing witty copy. Now, the creative idea behind it, certainly that can take some thought and effort and energy, but when it comes to the actual copy itself, most of the time anyway, it is basic everyday language that a fifth grader can understand. We don't need to, to go yeah. over the top with that. So yeah, that, that's a really important point to note. Um, so number three, ad copy, use it, using it for ad copy, and then we'll make it a fourth point, client profiles. How are you using it for client profiles? you can ask for behavior profiles on a certain type of person and it will absolutely stereotype that person that you give it so you're like write me a, a client avatar for a 40 year old mom of two living in suburban chattanooga tennessee who makes x number of dollars a year and it will give you a pretty good client profile about that and again it's a starting place and it helps us visualize our own ideal clients. So when we are mm. writing copy, we know who it is that we're speaking to. Yep. So understanding the intention behind all of these things, right? Why are we creating the blog? It's to answer questions. Why are we, you know, and to be found in search, right? Why are we writing ads? It's to connect with people, not mm. for them to think that we're, we're witty. Um, so same thing with this profile. It, it allows you to help visualize the person that you're speaking to when you're marketing. Um, that that's really how I would how I would approach that. That totally makes sense. Well, that's great. I, I wouldn't have even thought to to use it for that, but that's I'm, I'm gonna have, I'm gonna have to go test it out now. <laughs> That'll be really fun <laughs> actually. Um, and you know, then like, and then the fifth point you, you talked about yeah. engaging social media content, and at least in my mind, the way that I frame this, it, it feels similar to writing blog posts back in the day. Mm -hmm. It I mean, I'm, again, I'm not a, a great writer, so the idea of having to constantly come up with content can be challenging at times, especially if we're tired and we're thinking about 15 other things. And what you end up seeing in photographers, social media content a lot of times is some version of, I'm so excited that dot, 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 you know, I got to photograph so-and-so's wedding or portrait. I mean, it's just the same thing over and over and over again. And nobody to cares. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> well, okay, so, so is this about writing content that people care about or is it just about writing, like generating content just so there's some text to go along with the image that you're posting? What are your thoughts on that? No one is ever going to unfollow you for not posting, but they will unfollow you for posting content they don't care about. So it is better to not post something than to just generate posts for the sake of doing it. Uh, and as far as generating good content, I mean, that depends on your brand and your audience. But really, give people something, a reason give them a reason to actually read what it is that you're writing. So I. I have content buckets. Every day of the week is a different theme for the type of posts that I do. Someday I'm posting my um, my posing demonstration videos, which have been absolutely exploding uh, in popularity, which has been crazy to see. Uh, me fully dressed demonstrating boudoir poses, hilarious. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hundreds of thousands of views on these yeah. videos, absolutely mm -hmm. blowing my mind. Um, but you can ask it to give you a list of motivational quotes, and then you can pick ones that are relevant to your brand. You can ask it to give you a list of important holidays, and this is stuff you can find on Google also. But the way that things are phrased, it's more conversational. Um, those are really the ways that I've been using it, finding quotes to share, okay. but also... It could be song lyrics that are 
relevant to certain certain emotions, times of day. That. And it will give you that. And then in the social post, you share a lyric from a song that means something to you. And mm-hmm. then you ask people to do the same. That's an engaging piece of content as opposed to just, you know sharing a motivational quote like then you can add on with a little story about how it relates to you and ask people to share the same so again i'm not using it to just generate 365 days of content for me it's my rough draft generator it's giving Mm -hmm. me prompts to then expand on uh, speaking of your videos, we're going to come to your videos in the education here in just a little bit uh, so everybody can can follow you and learn more. But when I, I don't know, when you talk about song lyrics, that's a really interesting one, because for me, so I actually grew up in a different culture. I grew up in Japan and, and a pretty conservative family as well. So I wasn't I didn't really have a lot of exposure to American pop culture and really until probably my 30s, honestly. And so I, I fall short when it comes to being able to throw out pop culture references, whether it's music or anything else mm-hmm. in conversation or for the sake of creating content. And I would never have thought about using it that way, but that's actually a really great idea. Thank you. Yeah. I'm also so out of the loop, uh, since I don't, you know, go out clubs to dance like I did in my twenties, I don't know what the kids these days are listening to. So <laughs> yeah. if I'm not hanging with my neighbor's tween daughters, I have no idea. So well, I think yeah. that's a great, another great idea. And again, I'm going to have to go explore this, like experiment with it myself. Um, I really appreciate yeah. you sharing that. Before we talk a little bit about the education that you offer, I know we haven't had the opportunity to highlight your boudoir business a whole lot today. I'm going to pop that website up here in just a second, but had an interesting question from YouTube. Copper says, not sure how many artists love AI, kind of taking artist jobs. What's your argument to this? Um, just to create more conversation. I knew that was going to come up today. (laughs) Um, Again, I think it invites us to take a look at what we're really doing. No one hires me because of the photos. I mean, I like to think I do great work. People love their photos. But they hire us because of how we make them feel. And so as soon as you are a commodity and that you can be replaced by the machine, then I think it's time to reconsider why you're doing what you're doing and how you can make it more human. Um, Again, everything we do, I mean, writing, everything that is created, music also can be recreated by an AI. But we still pay hundreds of dollars to go see a band play live, you know, when we can listen to their CD for free at home. It's it's the human side. It's the human connection. And no one can ever take that away from us. We already have artists that are screenshotting Instagram profiles or Instagram photos putting them inside of a Polaroid frame and selling those for tens of thousands of dollars. Like that wasn't even AI and people are legally repurposing other artwork. Every time we sample a piece of music or draw inspiration from somebody else's creation, we're doing the same thing. This is just a quicker, more efficient way to do it. So uh, again, I look at it as an invitation. The technology is not going away. So how, how can I make this something that people want that can't yeah. be taken by a machine? What are your thoughts on that? Well, I, the in this, I don't know how well this analogy stands up, but I'm, I'm thinking about film and digital. Because when I started in photography in 2001, film was just kind of the de facto. It, the technology mm-hmm. hadn't really been fully developed at that point. It wasn't I don't think until 2005 that I bought my first digital camera for the sake of our photography business at that point. But what was interesting about the shift to digital 
was then it created this opportunity to be a so-called film photographer. It created a whole niche and, and photographers mm -hmm. kind of ran to that niche and a number of them did anyway and leveraged that. I know it's not quite as big a deal as it used to be, but I think when, to your point, when something comes up, there's always an opportunity on the other side of that to do something different, something that stands in contrast to that. And mm -hmm. we, we just can't, at the end of the day, while we may know that something is, is um, well, while we're able to use this, uh, the, the content or the, to the tools, whatever it is that AI, the digital technology is, is generating, we all as humans know the difference between that and a human interaction or a human connection or something that's actually painted, hand-drawn or otherwise by a human. And I, yeah. I think that that, right, that in and of itself, to me, I've been thinking about this, this conversation as well. When, it relate, when I think about art, I immediately go to paintings or drawings or, or this type of artistic creation. To me, it's immediately an opportunity for these super talented artists to create something that is distinct. We know how quickly and easily the AI can generate these art pieces, and that's cool. We can use it for all kinds of things. But there's a distinct difference between that and something that somebody just spent three weeks creating. Right. And, and, and that's, I think that's the difference. So that's the analogy that I go to in my head. Does that work? Yeah, totally. Um, and I was thinking the same thing. It's like, we all know who Bob Ross is, the painter who taught us how to do landscapes. Yeah. But we can all go outside and just take a picture of a tree like that, you know, in one two hundredth of a second. Mm -hmm. But we still value painting. Um, so I, I don't think it's going to replace anything. It's, yeah, it it offers us a chance to differentiate. Uh, and I think that sums it up beautifully. I I have to say, Mike, on air, and I know we didn't talk about this off, off, offline. In fact, we really haven't had the opportunity for conversation previous to this today. But I have a lot of respect for your ability to communicate really well and also, and to teach really well. You, you, it's, you've done a beautiful job of it today. Thank you. Um, Thank and you. for that reason, I, I'm even more apt to want to share the education that, that you offer. A lot of photographers offer courses of, of various kinds these days. Um, there's a kind of a red flag or a question mark innately in my mind when, when I hear that. But I, I really do have a lot of respect for, for your teaching skills. On that note, you've built a, a boudoir photography business. And you've been in business now for how, how long? This is my 13th year. 13th year. Um, and I know that, that you're also helping photographers learn a, at least a comparable business model. And I want to pull up your website mm -hmm. here real quick for uh, those who are live streaming. Um, if you go to boudoirguild.com, just like it sounds, um, you can yep. check out uh, the information here. And then I'm going to go ahead and mention this as well. Go to Boudoir Guild on YouTube. And uh, Mike's YouTube content there, the video content is there as well. And Mike, you said you're, you're pushing out, is it three videos a week? Is that right? Mm -hmm. That's an insane yeah. amount of content. I, I'm going to subscribe. It's certainly, true. in fact, I'm going to do it right now while we're talking, um, because I, I want to. I'm curious to uh, to learn more. But will you just share a little bit about what it is that you're intending to do to to bring value to the photography industry and help other photographers? Totally. Uh, I am. You know, when we got started, we didn't have YouTube and we didn't have all these courses. We had to figure this stuff out on our own. And I graduated college in the recession. Uh, my advisors talked me out of grad school, thankfully, um, and I had no idea what I was going to do, but I enjoyed taking photos, even though I was terrible at it and decided to start a business and teach myself business and photography. So entirely self-taught. And I think because of that, getting into the nitty gritty and figuring this stuff out, also spending a lot of time hanging out with people smarter than me who are already creating seven, eight, 10 figure businesses. Uh, that was the world I wanted to surround myself with so mm -hmm. I could... I could learn what it meant to actually run a business yeah. from successful people. Uh, I, 
I have a different approach to the game. Um, yeah, just sharing something that's real. And as you've as you've heard me talk today, I'm not just giving high level strategies. I give you the nitty gritty, but also like the reason, the philosophy behind things, and how to make things more human. And and that's something that I don't see in a lot of the courses. And and again, I'm not like I'm not knocking anybody. We all have a different approach, and everyone learns differently from different people. So I I think for an audience who wants to know more of the why behind things and how do all the pieces fit together, that that's really what I built my program on. Um, as opposed to just how to do email, just how to do Facebook ads, just how to light or pose. Like those are all pieces of a puzzle and you need the whole puzzle and to know how they all connect to each other. Well, and, and I pop this up on screen, boudoirguild.com is where photographers are gonna want to go to, to learn more. Um, certainly we'll link to the YouTube channel as well. It, between that and the, our conversation today, I think is a good intro, a bit of a teaser to what photographers might expect, but what's the best kind of first place to go once they get to the, to the uh, boudoirguild.com? I've got six different course uh, modules, if you will. So branding, sales and pricing, business fundamentals or business mastery. Um, what else? Lighting, posing. I should know these by now. They're mine. Uh, choose the thing that you think is going to make the biggest impact in your business. And then I've also got my posing book on there down at the bottom, which came out last year. And that that is a tool that I even use in my own studio. It's a spiral-bound book. You also get the digital copy. And, and it's not just a photo gallery of cool boudoir poses, but I, I actually give you the language on how to put people into the pose of like, put them in this angle on the bed, lying down with their head at this corner and then move that elbow this far. And and you can literally just read it and walk through. And I've got a video on the YouTube channel where I brought one of my friends in and I just read out of the book and we demoed how to use the book in the shoot. So uh, posing fundamentals in there as well, the mechanics behind all of that. I tend to be very, very thorough with the content I create, much to my editor's demise, but uh, I don't want to leave anything out. Yeah. Hey, thorough and detail, that's the name of the game. And uh, yeah. just to kind of re rehearse or rehash what you were saying, Mike, lighting, posing, I'm scrolling down through your website, boudoirguild.com mm -hmm. for those of you that are listening in, editing and workflow, business mastery, sales and pricing, marketing, and then uh, as Mike mentioned, the boudoir posing guide as well. So of course, we'll link to all of this in the show notes at bocapodcast.com. Mike, I really appreciate you making time to share all of this with our listeners today. Uh, I love practical, actionable, valuable content. You brought that 100%. Um, thank you so thank much you. for making time for all of us. Thanks for having me.